Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. So, well, welcome to another edition of Cavs the Podcast. I'm not, I have no idea where we'll splice this in, but um, tonight is Monday, and we've uh, got Thomas the, uh, just created himself some editing work. Why? <laughs> because you we oh, we yeah. came in in the middle of a conversation, and well, then we. Uh, I mean, it'll that, be, it'll be now fine. the intro is okay. It'll, be, it'll be like an episode of Seinfeld that goes backwards. <laughs> So we're, I got uh, we got OKC Golden State on the background. I think you guys are probably like a minute ahead of me. So if you yeah, react, we just I'll, kicked off the third quarter. Yeah, um, but uh, tomorrow we got uh, the Raptors on the menu, and uh, people are predicting yes. an extinction event for the dinosaurs. Um, yes, yeah, so, but I'm and, a little and bit. How, how great was the Chris Pratt? cover photo for yeah. today's uh eastern conference yeah. finals so i think, that I, think was so I feel fantastic. like our listeners need to have an appreciation for evil genius because like how much work he puts into these well, like so the painstaking curation oh. of pictures for every piece is it's really impressive like he does i will go to bed and i will get up at like six or seven and he'll have just posted, and he's on the West Coast, so but it's like three or four in the morning. I mean, it's so ridiculous well, to, how to, much work he puts yeah, into so those. To kind of walk through what happened yesterday, we were planning on doing a podcast, but both basically podcasts kind of need to be recorded by either Nate or I. We sort of have the requisite tools and experience or whatever, and both of us are just kind of swamped <laughs> at work. We got skills. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> But um, it just wasn't going to happen last night. So at the last minute, we're like, you know what? We'll just push it to tomorrow. Um, but and we knew we didn't have any content lined up. So we kind of just threw out. I threw out an email last night at like 1130 Eastern saying, anyone got anything they can throw up? Thinking that I was going to strike out and I was going to record myself with big bags under my eyes talking for like two minutes about the Raptors or something. And I was just going to go with it and call it like not an Instacap or something. Um, and then evil genius. Or respo- an Instafab. Yeah. Oh God. We don't have to get into that. So then evil genius responds. Yeah. I'll just put up a little short preview on the thunder. I- I'm thinking this is going to be like 
basically a third of what Robert does for like the point four. It's going to be like a point one one word. Like it's going to (laughs) be, you know, a little paragraph on what the Raptors do. Well, I wake up this morning before I get in the shower, I check my phone on Castle blog and there's just like, read. I'm like, Oh my, I just keep scrolling. I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, how did he have time to do all this? That guy is, uh, He's a diamond in the rough. I'm glad we nabbed him at Cavs. No, Ball. he's a diamond. He's a sp- he shines bright like a diamond. <laughs> he's not in the rough anymore. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, man, I was worried our topic list was too short, but we could probably just talk about random stuff for four hours. So uh, yeah, we already do. We've already talked about Dude Perfect, which yeah, I definitely. <laughs> would recommend watching their uh, world record basketball shots. They're pretty impressive. Although I did get the sense watching them that, I mean, how many people have actually attempted these? Because I felt like these records wouldn't be that hard to break, some of them. But like, uh, what, what What is a quote-unquote record? So one of the, like, I mean, they had longest, um, like, somersault shot, where the one guy, like, jumps off a trampoline, does, like, a flip in the air, and shoots it over it, like, over his head. He did it from like three quarters court. One was like half court or one was blindfolded hook shot. Someone did it from just past half court. One was tallest shot. So he got up on top of a skyscraper. He was like 500 feet up and he made a shot in a hoop. That was one of them. A couple of them were kind of interesting. One was like um, free throws made between two people in 30 seconds or something. And the rules were like, you couldn't shoot one before like the other guys went in. So you couldn't just be like, you know, that Asian dude and Papa shot that just like, you see oh, with video. the two hands. Yeah. It couldn't be like that. Yeah, like, I got a buddy who like for years and years and years, and this was like the late nineties who swore that that was the, the key to Papa shot was using both hands. Yeah. And that was how you could set the Papa shot world record. And he was like, when that video came out, he was, flipping out he's like i told you i told you you guys should have recorded me he was like the bill james of papa shy who was bill james you know the guy that they based Moneyball off of the baseball guy that used to just, oh okay like pour through stats like back in the 70s or man i'm really billy... sad that that was lost on you i thought that was a you great mean billy comment. bean no so billy bean so bill james is the stats guy just like the baseball fan okay. yeah billy bean's okay. the gm that like implemented Stat stuff, but Bill James is. Does he work for Sports Illustrated now or ESPN? I don't know who he works for. Is he the guy that uh, made Stratomatic? Baseball? I don't know know either. But what were we talking about? Oh, so one of the ones, like the one where they they did one for foul, foul shots and three pointers, and it was interesting because you couldn't just wait for the other guy's shot to go up. You had to wait for the other guy to make it. So they had to like ping pong back and forth. So if one guy missed like two or three shots in a row, you had to keep taking them. Um, so they, they tied the record for uh, three pointers with like 19 or something in a minute or in 30 seconds. I forget what the time frame was. And they set the record for the free throw one. So it was like, those guys are actually pretty, pretty talented. Uh, but it was, it was fun to watch that. So, while we're off topic completely, I've been told Richard Jefferson's Snapchats are worthy of my attention. And, of course, Nate and I are definitely not hip enough to have Snapchat. So, young millennial <laughs> Eli. No, I just like to slide right into people's DMs. Yeah. Really, so. <laughs> so, just, uh, uh, how would you give us the overview, Elijah? So, I mean, I'm sure a lot of our listeners do know what 
a snap story is. It's basically where you can record a 10-second video that expires after 24 hours, and you can post as many as you want in a day. But Richard Jefferson has been busy with the whole little Kev thing. Do you guys know what that is? Yeah, it's like they carry around a picture of Kevin Love. and It's, it's actually not Kevin Love. It's someone who no, looks like Kevin Love. It looks <laughs> oh, like, really? you know who it looks like? That I saw it, it looks like Bashar al-Assad from uh, the Dictator of Syria. That's who it looked like when I saw it. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's that's dark. But um, I, I anyways. What, wait, explain it to me. They carry so it's like, like if you ever, you have kids, and you'll get this. Uh, well, my daughter had this thing. It was called Flat Stanley. And you take Flat Stanley everywhere, and you take pictures it's like a little paper doll and you take pictures of it, you know, on your dashboard looking at the Grand Canyon or something like that. Like is you take like, pictures. Is it like the places. Christmas like elf on a shelf kind of no, thing? No, it's just like no. um a prop for like pictures and adventures. You take pictures of this like okay. it's a person, but it's just a prop. Okay. You know And so they have it, one it, with that, this... that's, so they have a picture of this guy that they call it Little Kev. And he looks like Kevin Love. But it's a real person that they came across, like, just doing Google image searches? Or, like, is it someone they know? No, or... I, I think it's Bashar al-Assad. <laughs> I don't think it is. Uh, so is the it story like a, goes... Is it like a Polaroid they carry around, or is it... No, 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 no. So, I, I... the story is that they were on a road trip on, like, a private charter plane. And you know how they have the magazines and the seat pocket in front of you? Uh-huh, yeah. So Richard Jefferson was looking, flipping through a magazine and saw like a full page ad of a face of a person who looked like <laughs> Kevin Love. Oh, okay. Little Kevin and, is literally a Tommy Bahama advertisement that was correct. in flight magazine when the Cavs were flying back from Detroit after the first round sweep of the Pistons. So he takes a picture on his phone. <laughs> no, no. So he, he literally rips the oh, okay. magazine cover, got it laminated at FedEx, and he like takes it everywhere. <laughs> And uh, the reason, you know, the Cavs have had basically, you know, two weeks off this playoff. The funniest one, so he makes these little videos, and he's got one where Channing Frye is in the car, I think with an Uber driver, and Richard Jefferson gets in the back, and next to him he's got a picture of little Kev on the seat, and a Snickers bar, and like a tall boy of Coors Light (laughs) on the seat. He's like, we're going to have some fun, and some Mentos. (laughs) He's like, we're in for a wild night. <laughs> and um, so, so like, yeah, go ahead. Is the is the joke that like Kevin Love is kind of a recluse and doesn't come out, so they like go partying with Lil Kev? Or what? I think that's like where it started. They wanted, you know, Kevin Love admittingly is like a a weird dude, you know, and he doesn't really go out, doesn't enjoy the party scene. But I guess the funniest part of this whole last week was, you know. The team spent a lot of time together. They all got invited to Kevin Love's house, and they had like a adult dance party or something. Yeah, it was like they're doing they're Which doing is karaoke not, of it's gangster not an rap songs. Dance party. It's, it's just adults no, actually no, no, no. dancing like little kids. It's but it's they were legit. doing karaoke of like uh, of uh, gangster rap, which was yeah, hilarious. and it was literally like no, there were no women involved. It was just the guys on the team just dancing to rap music. And, you know, like, Sasha Cowan was even there. Like, the whole team was there. was there. Yeah, so it was, was just there. good to see uh, all Dante the guys Jones together. And, uh, 
that's one thing I love. It's like even the guys on the end of the bench are like the Cavs aren't too good to hang out with them, which yeah. which I like. You know, Gerald Gerald McCray or Jordan McCray is that his name? Yeah, Sasha and Callen. Uh, and Sasha Callen are there, and and Timo's in them for like like literally two seconds. Yeah. So yeah, so Timo not not on exiled from the team. Well, I'm not he's been exiled from the floor. I'm not surprised that the Cavs find that funny. I remember years ago, there was like an equipment manager on the Cavs that looked like McLovin from Superbad. And they mm-hmm. all just called that guy McLovin. And apparently they thought that was hilarious. So Yeah. Well, they this, this whole thing about them not being close and all that stuff seems a little ridiculous now. But well, it does the other part now. Of, it, I mean, it certainly but the other didn't part seem of ridiculous. Winning is the greatest deodorant. Yeah, exactly. It didn't seem ridiculous a couple months ago. So, Meanwhile, we're about halfway through the third, and Oklahoma City, after an abysmal first half, has cut it to seven with Westbrook going to the line. Um, it's They were so bad in the first half. They could not stop turning the ball over. They were just playing like a, a a step or two too fast and like wouldn't pass more than twice before they threw up a shot and it was just feeding everything that Golden State did. And now it looks like they're probably gonna cut it to five. Yeah, they just couldn't score. I thought they did a nice job on Curry and basically the rest of the What the defense Warriors. was fine as Well, they it wasn't fine. It was, the rest of the Warriors really beat him up. Yeah, but just you're going to turn it over 10 times in the first half and shoot a lousy percentage. Right. Well, that's why they couldn't you're, score. You're going to yeah. feed the other team's offense. I mean, you can't get a team, no matter how good your defense is, you can't give the Warriors that many opportunities. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, hopefully they... Let's, uh, let's go through this um, preview that Evil Genius put up and maybe give some of our takes... Uh, <laughs> On these matchups. So, anyways, a parting, uh, parting quote about uh, Lil Kev. Uh, Lil Kevin goes everywhere. This is Richard Jefferson. He's a part of the team. You know what I'm saying? We're hoping he can get a, we can get a double double out of him. We're excited. <laughs> <laughs> a double double from Lil Kev. I He's assumed, an part of I this group. People talking about and what Lil we got Kev. going on here, and we're we're going to really need him to to do big things down the stretch. <laughs> when I saw Lil Kev popping up on Twitter, I assumed they meant. Like uh, the Kevin Love from the Allstate commercials, right? Or the yeah. State Farm commercials. Wow, dude, I love Nuggets, <laughs> which is what, what I love that one. <laughs> Did you get a chance, Nate, to read Collins' piece on Damian Lillard? No, I didn't. Oh I, man, I, it's so funny. It's really good. Colin is the best. Yeah, I wish, wish I he was still around. I need to read articles more. Absolutely. Yeah, and hopefully we're gonna have him on a podcast sometime soon. I I keep missing him. I feel like so. he has gotten funnier in his writing, and I just I really gravitate towards people that kind of mix humor in. Uh, you know, when he wrote for Cavs' yeah. blog, he was really good, but I don't really remember it being funny. Like I remember it he being... was funny at times, and he was really good on podcasts. Yeah, because it was kind of a really good like deadpan foil. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, like all right. The... Are you, are you guys ready? We get, do I get to learn more about Lil Kev, or can we move on before this podcast gets dangerously close okay, to being Okay, don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. All right, so we got <laughs> Uncle Drew versus Special K. Is that really Kyle Oh, yeah, Larry's we're going to talk full matchups, huh? See, I, I, think... like Mag- I like Magnum K.I. a lot better than Special Thank K. Thank you. Oh. Oh, you just saying. Oh, Special K is Kyle Lowry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
But I'm glad okay. you like Magnum Ki. That was that actually. I came up with that. I can actually honestly say I've never seen anyone else well, say it's that. It's on the Cap the Blog T-shirt. Yeah. So. Well, I even got a couple people I remember to retweet that. They thought that was a pretty good name. Speaking um, of which, anybody wants a Cavs of Blog T-shirt? I got a couple larges and a couple mediums still. So uh, wow, send me really? an email. Or text. Man, so, yeah. sell those on eBay for like millions of monopoly dollars. Yeah, or shoot <laughs> bucks or something. Million, yeah. Millions of millions of won. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's the currency the of uh, with all the Koreans? What's the currency of Venezuela? We could probably get a million of whatever that is right now. Oh yeah, I don't know. I gotta but, look that up. But anyway, um, so I'm worried about this matchup, um, and I really don't think it's in the Cavs' best interest to leave the Boulevard. Ah, after Simone <laughs> Boulevard, perhaps. Um, I, I believe so. I don't believe it's in the Cavs' best interest to leave Kyrie or necessarily even Delhi on. Um, Lowry, I feel like you need someone that's stronger, maybe someone like LeBron, who we never saw guard Lowry at all in the regular season. I just want to point something out for you guys. In the playoffs, um, Lowry has played 553 minutes, and the Raptors are plus seven. Sorry. Wow, Nate. That was, you couldn't, you couldn't, like, move your. I, I was in mitts. I was in mid-sneeze. That was excellent. Um, okay, so 553 minutes with Kyle Lowry on the court in the playoffs, and the Raptors are about plus seven. They're scoring okay. They're defending pretty well. When Kyle Lowry's off the court for the 134 minutes he's been off the court, their net rating is minus 25. They cannot score at all, and they cannot defend anyone. So... yeah. Right now, they go as he goes. There, there's no one else even remotely close to those kind of net rating splits on the on the Raptors. So he's the head of the snake. I mean, that's all there is to yeah, it. Yeah, and you cut off the head of the snake. <clears throat> yeah, I I agree with you. I think you put uh, LeBron or Shumpert or <laughs> maybe Jr. I don't know if Jr. is quick enough to stay with him, but on him, and then you either put Irving on DeRozan or. Or you yeah. even put him on, yeah. uh, uh, what's his Demari name? Damari Carroll. Yeah, Damari Carroll. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, totally. You, and, I, and if they post up Carroll, you're like, okay, so we can live with that off. Yeah, so be it. <laughs> yeah. No, I if, feel... if Damari Carroll's going to beat us with a 30-point night, then then more power to you. Yeah, they're going to try to get into rhythm with Lowry pick and rolls. And I just think the Cavs, that, much like, hey, we're not going to let Kyle Korver get open, that was basically the number one thought in their head and they did a good job on that they need to be like we are not going to let kyle lowry get into any kind of rhythm we don't you know yeah. i don't care if they're doubling him i don't care if they're opening up other things for the rest of those guys their depth is not good enough on that team to beat the Cavs. i, I mean just it's not i, I mean I, I mean other than i think patrick patterson is a very underrated player um he's a good shooter yeah and, and his he was actually during the regular season Patterson had the best uh, net rating. He was plus the the Raptors were plus nine point six with him on the court, and they were um, actually in the negatives with him off the court. That was better than Lowry on, on both the on and the off splits. But um, it's playoff basketball. It's a different game. It slows down. Uh, ball handlers are very important, and Lowry's the guy. So 
This is the one matchup I feel like if the Cavs really take care of this one, everything else will fall fall in line. I mean, what what's um, what's your take? Uh, either of you guys, whoever's got a hotter take, give it to me. Go go ahead. Personally, I think the Cavs actually match up against the uh, the Heat better than they did with the Raptors. I do think the Raptors are a tougher matchup. Yeah, I did, I did um, But I'm curious to see what the Cavs are going to do to try to combat uh, Biombo. I mean, it's crazy to say it, but Biombo is basically like Tristan Thompson. Maybe even a little bit better on the defensive end in terms of rim protection. But I'm curious oh, if the Cavs better. I'm one, I'm curious if the Cavs are going to try to either match him with Tristan or if they're just going to keep on trying to play Fry and Kevin yeah. Love on him and kind stretch him out. I mean that's the chess the paint. Yeah. Yeah, that's the chess match I think that I'm most interested in seeing. So I think that's an advantage the Cavs or a matchup the Cavs can take advantage of because Oh, here's Curry. the other thing, like a and away. I don't know, I don't know enough about the way they play, but with Biombo, you can almost play a matchup zone, the way a lot of teams do, and just uh, oh, how annoying are those little flashing goal? Under fans have they're awful. You see them in the background as all these players are scoring and everything. Ugh. Anyway. Oh yeah, now I see what you're talking about. <laughs> or Those not the Thunder, awesome. the uh, the Warriors. The wristbands they're all wearing. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Rainbow bright. Um, yeah, exactly. But it, I mean, I think I think I mean I, again, I'm not really. I mean, Biombo is you know asserted himself as a pretty good uh, rim protector and rebounder, especially offensive rebounder in this series, but. Um, the Cavs have done a nice job keeping good offensive rebounders off the glass. You know, yeah, they, the Horford big, the and Millsap thing. never got any offensive rebounds. And I thought the Cavs did a good job keeping um, Andre Drummond off the glass. So I, I'm just – Bismack Biombo is not keeping me up at night. Kyle Lowry is. Especially well, now here's the thing. Well. Here's the thing about Biombo is the Raptors are better with Biombo on the floor – because he sets much better screens and is a much better role man than Jonas Valanciunas. So he puts a lot more pressure on the on the near the rim side of your defense. The big man has to be much more concerned with him rolling because when Valanciunas rolls, he kind of lumbers or rolls into a post-up position. He doesn't roll for a dunk or, you know, a quick-hitting layup the way that Biombo does. Yeah. And Biombo sets very good screens. And you notice Lowry and DeRozan's numbers went way up after Valanciunas got hurt. And I think a lot of that was because of Biombo is a better complement to those guys. That Biombo, I mean, you can pull the numbers on this, but I feel like the Biombo-Patrick Patterson lineup for the Raps is a really good lineup. I mean, they've got a good player at every position. They've got decent shooting at the three wing spots uh, and at the four spot. Uh, the problem is DeRozan's just not that good. I mean, when if when they lose DeRozan next year, and if they replace him with a role player who takes better shots, they'll actually be an even better team. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you could just give, like, three of his shots to 
uh, Patrick Patterson and kind of distribute it around a little more. I think they're going to end up being a better team. So, and look at the Thunder hanging in. Yeah, yeah, they're hanging in. They just got to. The problem is, is they, that first half was so bad, and they might have dug themselves too big of a hole. So if I look at if I look at playoff lineups, um, there are four lineups that the Raptors have had that have been very good that have played uh, at least twenty four minutes. So that would be like playing a whole half together. And um, three of the four of them include Patterson. Um, Lowry is in all four, which the the numbers you said earlier kind of makes sense yeah but the top lineup is biabo Corey joseph kyle lowry patrick patterson and terrence ross that's a really good defensive lineup i mean patrick patterson's probably the weakest defender in that group and that's not a bad is ross a good def- is ross a good defender ross is a decent defender okay yeah he's long i never know uh, what to really make of a- that guy like he he feels i feel like he's sort of like a younger trevor ariza yeah, I, I that's not a bad analysis. He he just has no floor game at all. He's he's strictly three and D, right? Right. And he can go really cold from outside. He's not a bad finisher, but uh, he seems like a guy that can get in his own head a little too. Much. Yeah. Team where he wasn't asked to do so much earlier in his career, he and he would have developed a different set of skills. He might be a lot more complimentary player. Mm-hmm. But uh, he he just seems like he he's very inconsistent. That's one of his big problems. But he also I think he has a fifty point game. He, he's like one of those. Yeah, he does. Yeah, it's one of the weird guys that has a fifty point game. Like he just had this game where he was absolutely just YOLO. <laughs> the well, do you remember Mo Williams fifty some point? Mo game Williams two years last ago? year fifty two no, points. Two that years. wasn't even. Oh, it was, you're right, was it was last year. last year, you're right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so, I mean, but Terrence Ross is a good shooter, shoots 42% on the season from three, 43 in the playoffs, uh, but, oh, I'm sorry, break. that's inside the arc, 37%, or I'm sorry, 39% behind uh, in the regular season, 34% in the playoffs, decent shooter, decent rebounder, or, I mean, sorry, decent scorer, but he just... He hasn't seemed to figure it all out. And yeah, the young Trevor Ariza thing, definitely. He's a guy that if he's available because the Raptors are chasing other guys, I'd, it'd be nice to see if the Cavs get him. But I think, well, he's still got one more year on his rookie deal, so that won't be this year. It'll, it'll I be thought he, he just got an extension, I thought. I thought he Did signed he? a four-year, oh, okay. like 44, and... I think people were like, wow, it's a lot of money, but, you know, the salary cap going up, he kind of fits the modern yeah. NBA. He shoots yeah, threes right. and... Three years, sh- $33 million last year. Good call. So, so yeah, shoot- I mean, he makes $11 million a year, which is kind of insane. Yeah, it so, is. But it's kind of insane that for as little as Shump played this year, he made $10 million a year. Yeah, that kind of so. stuff happens. Um what did you guys think of speaking of contracts? Yeah. Um, and it's gonna this this year's. What did you think of uh, RC's? I thought it was hilarious, by the way. But what did you think of his um, Cavs free agent off season list? And think thinking Delhi. Yeah. What did he think Delhi was gonna get? 
Like uh, uh, something, in the, something like twelve million a year or something like that. Yeah, like twelve million, twelve fifteen million a year. Yeah, I that's, think he said like four, four and fifty-two. I think. That wow, is, that is intense money. <laughs> but in a way, I mean, I have a hard time thinking that because I know one of the things that happens is restricted free agents scare off a lot of teams. And then they kind of get in this Tristan Thompson situation. Yeah, explain why that is. Why would you not? Because teams have three days to match, and then your money is all tied up okay. in that guy. But the other thing that happens is there's that negotiating moratorium period, so you can't even sign the offer sheet till the official day that the offers are till you're eligible to be signed. So all these other guys have contracts in place. During the talk period, yeah. uh, when you can't actually sign them, the unrestricted free agents. But the restricted free agents, the the team that is looking to sign them, they can't even know whether the other team is going to match or not until three days after the official signing period. So if, say, the free agent moratorium is like three days where you can talk to the guys but you can't sign them. I think last year it was like a week, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. And then you had the whole uh, uh, DeAndre Jordan crazy thing. thing with Mark Cuban and DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, um, the problem is, is these teams they can't deal with the uncertainty, so they don't want to throw money at a restricted free agent when there's unrestricted free agents that they'll know right away whether they can pencil them into a slot or not. I mean, does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, no, it does. I knew uh, it was something and, like that. I'm glad you were able to explain it. Yeah, and that's that's part of the reason. Dude, and that, OKC just cut it to five. Yeah, yeah. Well, when they're not turning the ball over, they're hanging right with them. Well, they're controlling the pace of the game, which is really yeah. important. Because in the first half, I just felt like, man, even though Curry <laughs> wasn't hitting threes and stuff, it just felt like the speed that Golden State was playing at was just going to, you know, the dam was going to break. Well, it was a little too frenetic for my taste. That like Enos Cantor just airballed a three, and Westbrook. Yeah, that's, it's an Iverson assist to back. Westbrook. Oh man, Enos Cantor is one of my least favorite players in the league. He had two plays in the first half where he was just invisible <laughs> on defense. Oh my lord! Look at Draymond Green. <laughs> Unbelievable that that guy can do that. What, just G.A. yap at the refs like he does? Well, yeah, but he just put the ball on the deck, crossed through his legs twice, oh, pulled yeah. up. I mean, oh, Stephen Adams just got hit in the face with the ball and yet was able to recover. Okay, we got to stop talking about this game. We'll talk about it if it but gets But, no, it's insane how good Draymond is, and it's almost it like... It is insane. Well, and he was, like, the big knock on him was that he was too much of a tweener. And, like, now he's, like... The perfect tweener. Yeah, he is you know the perfect I mean? it's tweener. Like, no, it's weird. It's like he's, yeah, it's like what's, what's the difference between this guy and all these other kind of undersized. He's, he's good at Derek Williams. <laughs> yeah. Or Anthony Bennett. Yeah. He hits his. <laughs> right. I mean, he's exactly. got that body type. Yeah. It's just. He, he, he's what Anthony Bennett was supposed to be. There's a yeah. line in the, right? in the pilot episode of the Wonder Years where, um, <laughs> David Daniel Stern is narrating like basically how everyone in the sixties moved out to the suburbs and they were saying it was all the um it was all the something like all the um 
uh, frustration of the city without the convenience of it or something like that. Or And then he says, or vice versa. So basically, it's kind of like, depending on how you look at it, this could be really irritating, like, or, you know, really good thing. And that's like with these tweeners. I was trying to make a good analogy, but I couldn't even remember the line from the episode. But I'll look it up and put it in the recap, or in the uh, write-up. But yeah, you look at these tweener guys and you're like, well, they're not fast enough. They don't have enough ball handling skills to really be like a wing player. And they're undersized to really bang with the big boys. And Draymond's like the opposite. He's like fast enough to definitely be a wing player. But but big enough to guard anybody. Yeah. And so you put him, <laughs> yeah. you put him in these death lineups and it's like centers can't post him up. He's too damn strong. And then on the other end, he's just blowing by people. It's crazy. But yeah. if I talk about Draymond anymore, like half our users' heads are going to explode. <laughs> so let's get back to the matchups here. We got uh, Pipe pipe Bomber versus Mamba Light. Which <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> that's Mamba really, really light. That's like Mamba yeah, no. Love Ultra Light. That's Yeah. It's, but we're it's talking, all, of course, about it's the all, It's the shot, shot selection of Kobe Bryant without the actual skills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And DeRozan has not been good in the playoffs, and I, I've, no, oh. I've I've noticed that from watching him, from watching. I actually follow a few Raptors like um, uh, bloggers, and they're always complaining about him. And the plus minus numbers are very bad for um, DeRozan right now. It's real. Yeah, bad. I really feel like he is just absolutely destined to play for the Mitch Kupchak Lakers. Yeah, like there's just the. The perfect just filling right into the Kobe slot like yeah. he never left. So I'm more like, interested. Like move in... over, Swaggy P. You thought you were going to be the man, but no, it's going to be DeMar. Okay, so are we a little nervous, though? I mean, EG gave the advantage to the Cavs. I mean, that is fine right now since DeRozan can't hit you know a house and J.R. Smith is shooting as good as anyone has ever shot in the history of the NBA over a you know prolonged stretch. Are we a little bit nervous that you know, things are going to kind of regress to, um, you know, to these guys' career averages, and DeRozan's going to start picking it up a little bit, and he can get going. And now our listeners' heads are exploding, and they just want to punch you. <laughs> well, don't face. worry. Last on our agenda is to do a Believe Land just for the Cavs, because I was, oh, I was very I may, be, I may be hanging up before that I was that very hit. disappointed in <laughs> the lack of Cavs coverage on Believe Land, but... Um, but it's a pretty. I mean, we don't need to talk about it at length. I'm just asking, like, yes or no. Like, yeah, I'm not sure Jr. is going to keep hitting. Well, you got to go with. You got to go with who brung you, and and Jr. since the all since the beginning of the year has been phenomenal, and his ability to get absolutely scorchingly red hot at any time is. I mean, you cannot leave him. Yeah. You know what I mean, and plus. Even when you don't leave him, he has the ability to just get you a shot right. and, and get you a bucket. That's a big deal in the playoffs is having a guy or yeah. two that when everything's breaking down and you can't get into a rhythm and the other team is checking all your guys as they try to roll and grabbing onto all your guys trying to come off screens. Yeah. And it's just like, dang it. Like no one can shake free, create any space. We can't get into our offense. Having a guy, I mean, so in the past that was called, Give it to LeBron and get out of the way. That was, you know, yeah. people complained about that, but hey, sometimes that's the best option. Now it's like, you know, let Jr. just 
come off a curl and yeah. catch, jump with right. three guys. It's, it's nothing fancy. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. the ball stays on one side of the court. There's not much daylight. He's a shot maker. Well, and, and the best part of that is that he's a guy that can <coughs> get a bucket when you need a bucket without having to dribble. And that's, yeah. I mean, super, I think super valuable. Someone, someone tweeted out that he was leading all players in turnover ratio. Like, basically didn't have any. And I will look that up while you guys talk <laughs> about um, LeBron versus, I guess, this is DeMar De- DeMar DeMar versus Carroll. the Predator. Or no, Demari Carroll. The junkyard yeah. dog. Junkyard, junkyard dog, dog, yeah. Yeah, I guess the Predator is, um, oh, what's his name from Boston with the same hair? Oh, Crowder? Yeah, is, is Jake Crowder. Crowder. <laughs> yeah. Jake Crowder, but yeah, no, Damari Carroll. I mean, he's good, and he's been rounding into form. Uh, he had a pretty lousy season just from injury standpoint, and that's the one thing that scares me a little bit because he kept getting better and better in the last two series and actually started putting up pretty decent numbers towards the end of the Miami series and, and kind of was playing into the Damari Carroll we saw last year before he got hurt. Yeah, And he had a really good series against Atlanta with the way he defended LeBron. I mean... That being said, everybody, everything else went the Cavs' way. Right. Uh, I I appreciated, I guess, his his heart last year and his grit, uh, and not quitting against the Cavs in that Atlanta series. But I mean, LeBron has such a huge advantage over him in terms of just multifaceted skill set, the be the ability to score, you know, twenty five, ten, and ten on any given night. So, gotcha. Well, and I, mean, I thought I thought Carroll broke his wrist or something. I thought he was out and he didn't miss it. It was his knee. He had the freak like knee accident. Oh, his knee. Yeah, this, he this like year, came down knee? last year. Oh no, knee. last year, last year. This year yeah. he landed. Yeah, last on his, year he landed playoffs. on his hand and he left the game. And I thought they said he was out. I thought I heard Winter saying, "Hey, Windy, he might not even play in the next series." And then, yeah. I, lo and behold, he was playing in Game Six and Game Seven. Yeah, so, but I mean, he's. I guess that he's guy really, will play hurt because he did that last year too. He's really been shooting well, but he hasn't been scoring a ton. Um, I mean, he's Deion playing thirty just minutes. Finished at the rim, giving the Thunder a two-point lead, and they took the lead. Unbelievable! Yeah. No, I'm really have really been impressed with the way Deion Waiters has played in this playoffs. I mean, he's yeah, had me some too. phenomenal plays. That first half, he was one of their. He was playing point guard better than Russell Westbrook, you know, who had four was one of eight with four turnovers in the first half, Russell Westbrook. So, I mean, Dion playing really under control, not forcing that mid-range jump shot, finishing well. He just has seemed to be able to find his creases and and get to the pain and and play and under he's, control. So, he just made a three-pointer to give him a four-point lead. Oh, man. Wow. Hey, you're ahead of both. Of <laughs> yeah, you're ahead of both of us. See, this is why I thought it'd be cool to watch a game while we like podcast, but I just don't think we could sync it up. <laughs> I think it'd be too hard. Yeah, um, yeah. And to... let let's all talk about the fact that Dion's wearing pink shoes. Or are they <laughs> no, pink or are they? And they look like low tops. I think they're pink, hot pink. Wow. Yeah, they are hot pink. Trying to figure out how he gets a three out of this play. <laughs> he's nowhere near the ball right now. Oh, okay. Just a driving. 
kicked. Yeah. Oh, super contested too. Wow. Yeah. Sean Classic Livingston, Dion. who has very long, was right up in his grill. Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. All right. Um, we got Canadian <laughs> Dynavite versus Big Smack. That's actually a pretty clever nickname. Big Smack. Yeah. I I like that matchup a lot. I think that's going to be a big matchup. And you know me, I love Biombo. Uh, I was going back through when Biombo and Tristan Thompson were drafted, and one of my thoughts was, you know, maybe the Cavs should just take Biombo because they have the same skill set. He just has more upside, and he definitely is a slightly he is a definitely a better shot clocker, shot blocker than Tristan. But Tristan seems to have a little more polished finishing game. Like he can finish with both hands. He's got yeah. a little drop step. Right. Uh, jump hook. Um, I mean, neither of them can shoot outside of six feet, but uh, I Tristan just seems like, and Tristan can switch on guys, and I don't think Biombo's quite as good at that. I think he goes for the pump fakes a little too much and, and will pick up fouls, but Biombo is still a very good guy at shot blocking without fouling. Yeah. Which is definitely a very solid skill. Well, they're—I mean, they're and, different players. I think. Yeah. I think, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, he's a better paint protector, but not. I mean, there's there's honestly there's few bigs in the league. Um, you know, I mean, I'll put I'll say Draymond is better, but there's few power forwards in the league that are more versatile at defending all over the court than Tristan Thompson. I think that's that's really you know I, it, I will agree with you. And in the past, you know, he would he would do it and people would go, Oh, look at Tristan switching out into guards. But if you looked at the actual numbers, it wasn't really, they, that they were abysmal for a while. You remember the last year of Mike Brown, he was awful. Like it took Blatt and he just, it was a sea change of difference between Blatt and Mike Brown because, uh, you remember they had those games against like New Jersey and they put Paul Pierce at the four and Pierce just lit him up. Yeah. Or, like, any stretch four would just light up Tristan, and somehow he got so much better defending the perimeter between the last year of Mike Brown and the first year of David Blatt. So kudos to Tristan and David Blatt. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, Biombo is playing phenomenally in his last uh, his last series, 65% from the field, uh, 10.6 rebounds, 9.4 points, and two blocks in, in 31 minutes a night while only fouling uh, 2.4 fouls a game. I mean, he definitely is very good at protecting the paint without fouling. Not a good free throw shooter, just like Tristan. So the hack of Bismack is in play. Um, I, I think he's setting himself for an enorm- up for an enormous payday as well, a yeah. defensive Well, center. so is Whiteside, too. I mean, Yeah. Yeah, but he's going to be, I mean, Bismack's going to be a guy that Teams are going, oh, well, we're not going to get white side, but maybe we can go after Bismack Biombo. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, you got any thoughts, Elijah, on that matchup? I, I call that a wash. Really? Um, I think I like Tristan a little bit more, but I do think it's pretty similar. But like I said earlier, I don't know if that's what the Cavs are going to do. It looks like they're determined to kind of play the Fry Kevin Love game more than Tristan. Yeah. So Tristan didn't get that many minutes in Atlanta, not as much as I thought he would. Right. I thought he would mirror every minute of Paul Millsap, but that wasn't the case. Well, no, I mean, 
throughout the whole playoffs, the focus has been on offense. I mean, Delhi's minutes are a lot lower than I expected and lower than the regular season. Um, and Tristan's have been as well. And uh, Yeah, but Tristan is still getting thirty close to 30 minutes a night in the last series. It, it's not like he wasn't playing at all. And he, and he was still averaging double-digit rebounds. Well, I stand corrected, Nate. You want to run this <laughs> podcast? Well, I'm just saying he got... <laughs> I'm just he was getting rebounds. I felt like I remember certain playing. games where Tristan like didn't come back in, but I didn't actually look at yeah, it. Yeah, well, game, game two, he only played 19 minutes. Uh, game three, he played 20 minutes. I mean, game two was the... Uh, that was the YOLO game where they just went nuts, right? Yeah. yeah. And then game three was the Channing Fry game, right? Um, yes, the Friday game, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so, and Tristan was one for six that game, and and he he didn't play as many minutes, but it seems like they don't run with Love and Fry together very often. Because I think it's just too much of a, div- and they only do it that against second units, um, where usually they're pairing one of them with uh, TT or they're going small. We saw Love Fry, yeah, with the with the uh, fourth quarter where Kyrie's running the show and LeBron's sitting. Didn't we see? Yeah, see them together. Yeah, we saw. Because I remember that, a right? couple good passes from Kyrie to Fry. Um. I can't believe this is I mean I'm really impressed with OKC. I'm telling you Oklahoma City can beat this team and to be frank I don't think Oklahoma they can. City, I really Oklahoma don't. City can win a championship. I, I don't believe either of those are true but I keep on Well, I know you I don't believe because... either of those are true cuz you don't believe anything I ever say is true Tom. But <laughs> Adams and Ibaka are the best big man defensive combo in the league and that's a league where Draymond Green and Andrew Bogut are also in that conversation but they're just playing so such phenomenal defense as a team right now they're just swarming everything oh I mean you saw that Spurs series they gave the Spurs no life they couldn't do anything yeah no they, and they, they, their defense was, was outstanding. I mean that first five lineup I mean, your worst defender is is Kevin Durant, and he's not a bad defender. And the other four guys are like first or second team level NBA defenders. And then you've got a very good offensive big man off the bench in Cantor, and you got Deion Waiters playing very well. And that you only need seven guys when you're that young, you know. Yeah, I I think they could. I think this. Thunder team has the ability to win a championship. I don't, and, I, and I'll just, I'm just going to leave it at this. Well, you just think the Warriors are amazing. Yeah, I do. And I think everyone underestimates, like, under, underrates them. I don't underestimate them. No, I think everyone does. I think the Cavs do. I think the, I think the league doesn't believe it. Like, they don't believe, like, they can't be that good. They must just be hot. They must just be shooting well. No one's really playing defense on them. I mean, everyone's always got a reason to explain the greatness, and I think they're just really a good team. <laughs> I think they're deep, they're well-coached, everyone can shoot, they're all athletic, they're all tough. 
I don't really. I mean, any, anytime people are asking me, like, "Well, what what is what's the Warriors' weakness? Like, how could the Cavs exploit the Warriors?" I'm like, they just gotta play better. There isn't a weakness. There's no weakness. They just have to beat them. That's all you can do. And that means they're underdogs. Whenever you, whenever that's your recipe for how you beat a team, is like you just, you know, dig deep and just play better. I mean, I don't know what else to say, but. Like I will, I will just go back to the original. Well, point. I, I feel like here, here's here's the, something that the Thunder did that I after that game one loss because going into the series I thought the Thunder could kind of mess with the Spurs, you know, because of their length. I I knew that they were going to make it difficult for the Spurs to get those like motion sets going, um, which by the way they're doing tonight to the Warriors as well because they're so long and they can just switch everything. Like, the Warriors yeah. keep running these little wheel routes, handoff routes, and the Thunder are like, whatever. And they just keep switching. And by doing that, you're exerting less energy at the defensive end, and you're not giving the defense space. Now, the downside is when you don't have the right personnel to do that, and you matchups pop up everywhere, or mismatches pop up everywhere. Yeah. But it's not happening right now. But after that Well, yeah, because that, that, aside from Cantor, that, spur, that Thunder top seven is all, they're all great defenders. And they're all long. Or at least and, average defenders. Yeah. But I just, you know. after that game one, I mean, they were blown out basically in the second quarter. Yeah, for them, they got to, for them to come back the way they did, that just shows. Yeah. I mean, and I, were, I really think you were you wrote, an, you wrote a tweet like, will Billy Donovan get fired after this series, after that game one loss? And that was not a ridiculous tweet. And now no, looking and, back, it's like, yeah. wow, did they really turn it around? That it, And I really think the the... Spurs let their guard down a little bit. I think they really shocked them. Yeah. And the other thing, I mean, you and I talked about this a little. I felt like the Spurs just got, they had been rolling the, against, you know, fighting Father Time for a long time, and all of a sudden, Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker all got old at the same time. I mean, it finally caught up with them. You knew it was only a matter of time before, and it took a very young team that's kind of in the prime of their NBA careers to knock them off their throne. And I, I mean, I think that you're going to see a complete reconfiguration of this first team. Also, LaMarcus Aldridge uh, did not have a good series and looks like the same guy we saw in Portland, who just kind of is a power forward from 10 years ago in a league where everyone is either a pick and roll finisher or a, stretch for behind the line and he's still got this mid-range post-up game which is kind of antiquated yeah it's antiquated and it it reminds me a little bit of al jefferson you know that guy was such a load for so long and you never think about al jefferson as like a star player when at one time you did kind of think oh this guy man he's the next you know um back to the basket menace i I did Sorry. Brooke Lopez. Yeah, like Brooke I, Lopez, kind of. Oh, yeah. yeah. Lopez is a decent player, actually. But, um, boy, he owned the Cavs that game we went to, Nate. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, he did. So did Shane well, yeah, Larkin, though. Shane Larkin <laughs> owned uh, Mo Williams, too. So I owned that <laughs> I, I owned that hoop after after the game. Yes, you did. You recall that. You have not let me it. But, I mean, what I was going to say is, <laughs> LaMarcus, uh, the, the Adams-Ibaka front court really neutralized LaMarcus Aldridge yeah. and and David West also looked old I mean the Spurs are going to have to completely retool yeah. uh, they got to get another point guard you are going to see Kawhi Leonard at the four a lot more I think next year 
with LaMarcus Aldridge at the five. I don't think they'll move Aldridge, but if I was their GM, I would think about it because I'm not Ooh, sure Westbrook. he. That's a hot take, right? It is a hot take. So let's <laughs> move on to the next. Uh, let's move on to the yeah. next um, matchup. We got right. the Banana Republican versus Two Pat. Oh my God! What a great nickname, huh? Yeah, I like Two Pat too. Patrick Pat. Two Pat is great. Yeah. So what do you think? I mean. I think Patrick he, Patterson's kind of uh, like Kevin Love light, right? I mean, he's a yeah, stretch big he, that has got decent rebounding um, uh, fundamentals, um, can can fade, but can knock down some threes. I mean, isn't that sort of like the light? Oh, Westbrook just slipped. And it doesn't matter. Steven Adams puts it in. They are up eight points. What is happening? What am I watching? Did they shock the Warriors <laughs> in game one? Holy crap. Oh, here's Curry. He's going to hit that three. Yep. <laughs> you knew okay, that was Tom. <laughs> Tom, finish your sentence. Um, no, just I think uh, I think, I think think EG nailed it. I think the, this is an advantage to the Cavs. I don't think um, – yeah. I think Kevin Love is much more of a – you know, much more dangerous than Patrick Patterson. But I think yeah. Patterson's a good player. I, I mean, I think if Cavs fans don't know really much about him, they will after this series. That's my prediction. I think they yeah. know all about Lowry and DeRozan and maybe a little bit about Ross and Jonas. And maybe they know a little about Bismack because they follow Cavs the blog. But I don't think much. I don't think they know much about Patrick Patterson. And I think he could, um, you know, he could, he could be a difference maker in this series. He could. I, I think Kevin Love has a post-up advantage there. I don't think you'll see him shoot as poorly inside the arc. I mean, Millsap and Horford yeah. is a very tough defensive front court for Kevin Love. So it's it's, um, it's death lineup time, guys. And they've scored five <laughs> unanswered. This is the lineup that I, every time I looked at their stats during the regular season, it was just eye-popping to me what they were doing. Outscoring opponents by like fifty, <laughs> basically outscoring opponents. Fouling the snot out of Kevin Durant and not getting called for it. Yeah, there's <laughs> that's a smack. what the death lineup was there's doing. There's a smack. Yeah, that that was two fouls on that play. You're right. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Did you see the moving screen video that yeah. someone put? Yeah, no, I've seen that before. Oh, the no, Draymond Green video. Yeah. I I never realized how much um Andrew Bogut screens. does that back his back his butt into. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he kind of chucks on the you with his butt, yeah. Yeah. And, and my response was, I would totally, I would totally put my my foot behind his heel so he rolled his ankle next time he did it. <laughs> so Yeah. Boy, Dan is uh, hot, and he has a reason to be. That was not a foul. <laughs> wow. Well, home cooking. Well, but, at, I mean, right after Durant gets hacked three times, they don't call it. That's yeah. Well, that was that was bogus. Well, at least they didn't call it a shooting foul, which was weird since it was a putback dunk attempt. But uh, Durant with a fantastic defensive play. Oh, you guys are ahead of me. I'm sure. I need to just. I know. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, I just saw it. I just saw it. Eli's ahead of me. Okay. So. Eli can't do the play by play. No, I'm trying to stay quiet. <laughs> trying to stay quiet. So I told you guys my um, Patrick Patterson story before, right? About how my company no. worked with his agent um, when Daryl Morey was trying to squeeze him and basically was using raw box score stats to be like, hey, 
he's not getting enough rebounds for a big man because you know he was on the, the Rockets. Right. Oh, you did tell me that, and part of it was they were planting him outside on the three-point line the whole time, right? Well, part of it was that. Part of it was they were just playing at a slower pace, so there were less rebounds oh, okay. to go around so they weren't, in the He wasn't pace-adjusting the rebounds? No, and their team rebound rate was actually outstanding with him on the court. So, And I'm sure Maury knew all that. He was just trying to use the stats you know, in a, in a negotiation yeah. advantage. <laughs> um, but our, our stats guy went in there and was like, you know, kind of gave the, gave the agent some ammo. Um, so anyway, did you have anything to say about the, the Kevin Love versus Tupat matchup, Eli? Or can we move on to an overall bench analysis? I guess I'll just say something quickly. You know, I think a lot of people think Kevin Love had such a great series against the Hawks, but he shot so poorly from inside the arc that his – he shot worse inside the arc than from three point. Yeah. And he shot like thirty six percent for this for the series. So um I just think, you know, we gotta keep that in mind and maybe he'll shoot a ton of threes and, you know, thirty eight percent won't be that bad if he's only shooting threes, but I like to see him post up a little bit more considering, you know, Biombo and Patterson aren't really, you know, they're not seven footers, so he doesn't have to combat like someone way bigger than him in the post if he decides to go in the post. Yeah, I thought Matt Millsap was and Horford were a real bad matchup. I think I definitely think he can take Patterson. Biombo, I'm not as sure. I don't think they'll send a double team if Biombo's guarding him, but maybe uh maybe Kevin can uh, fool him. Uh oh Nate, we're losing you. Turn off your microwave. Your Wi Fi's down. <laughs> we lost Nate. Uh, oh man, yeah, he's probably he probably unmuted his mic or something. No, I think that I could kind of hear that was a that was a connection issue. But um, so I think the Cavs have the advantage on the bench. I'm not, you know, I think that would have held true in the regular season, um, barely, you know, just barely. But what we've seen out of Fry and Richard Jefferson, um, even Shepard hasn't been too bad. I, I haven't looked at his stats, but I feel like he hasn't been hurting the Cavs when he's on the court. Um, you know, Delhi is in a bit of a shooting slump, but he's leading all playoff performers in assist-to-turnover ratio at like almost 10, which is just ridiculous. So even though he's yeah. you know in a shooting slump of sorts over the last couple months, he's... Uh, I mean, that's what you want out of your backup point guard, right? Someone that's going to set everyone else up and, and not turn the ball over. So on the other side, um, Corey Joseph is an interesting player. Uh, when I kind of did it a uh, preview um, years ago, I noticed for, I forget which team, and he was on the Spurs, but I think we were putting together a thing at Got Buckets where we were looking at if you could draft like a new expansion team and these were the types of players you were allowed to, you know, pick off of current teams. You know, obviously you can't pick like superstars. You know, who would you want? And Corey Joseph was a guy I identified as a very undervalued player. And he seemed to be the kind of guy that was good in an up-tempo system. He was a very good transition player, um, scored a lot of points in transition, even just, even sort of like um, transition from not necessarily turnovers or rebounds, but just, like to run up the court, uh, you know, off of an inbounds play. 
man, I, I'm having trouble focusing. I'm watching this game. I don't know where you're <laughs> at, but it's definitely getting good. It's uh, okay. To so add on your one with like a minute, basically. Yeah. To add to your point, though, I actually do think the Raptors have the best player on the bench. I think Corey Joseph is the best bench player in the series, really? which is something that could kind of help them. I think the Raptors might have to experiment going with, you know, both Lowry and Corey Joseph um, if they get desperate enough. And it, it forced Kyrie to have to guard essentially one of them two or DeMar DeRozan in crunch time. Yeah. So that's something very interesting for me, I think. I really like Corey Joseph's game. Oh, okay. And I think the Spurs made a mistake in letting him walk. Well, it looked like that this year, didn't it? It looked like Patty Mills, you know, was not the old Patty Mills we remember from two years ago. He really struggled, and uh, they could have used a little more athleticism and, uh, and a more up-tempo look. You know, Nate was commenting before on the Spurs just got old at the wrong time. I think it was a little bit stylistic, too. I think the fact that their offense kind of goes through um, – LaMarcus Aldridge slows everyone else down, and it doesn't lead to those hockey assists because once the ball goes in to Aldridge, it usually doesn't come back out. I think that's yeah. kind of, you know, um, against Spursian offensive principles of the last five years. And it was hard for guys like Ginobili and Diaw. I mean, Diaw wasn't even playing by the end. It was hard for those kind of guys with limited athletic upside or ISO game to get going. And I think a lot of that, you just got to credit OKC's defense. And some of it I also think is you kind of married yourself to a more ISO centric game when you brought in Aldridge. I mean, you, you just, no matter what you thought, you were not going to turn Aldridge into some, you know, like Draymond Green type player. That's just running around setting screens, cutting off the ball. I mean, he's the kind of guy that puts his arm up and, you know, chuck it, you know, toss it into me. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, in the regular season, when you don't play your starters 38 minutes plus, you have an opportunity for your second unit to play, you know, 15 minutes together. Yeah. And I think the issue with the playoffs is you have, you keep Aldridge in because he's, you know, your second or third best player. You play him 40 minutes a game. You don't have, you don't give the bench an opportunity to play oh gosh, the way that played all Adams. year. I know. That's a crazy play. He had like eight guys swiping that ball. I can't believe he not only didn't get it stolen, but then he drove into the teeth. What a man's play this was. Yeah. Right have you seen the on. have you seen the Steven Adams memes that are coming up right now? From the uh, tissue they, or the cotton he had popping out of his nose? No, 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 no. It's like it's like it started, uh, like started from the bottom. Now we hear it's like uh, there's a before and after picture of him. There's like a picture of him getting drafted, and he's like wearing a suit. Yeah, and he looks like a Wall Street executive. <laughs> and then it's a picture of him now with the long hair, the tats, and like yeah. the uh, like snarly yeah. look he has. Yeah, he never okay, changes well. his facial expression. Okay, so there is. OKC's up five now. Oh, nice. Sorry. 30 seconds left. Oh, hell yeah. Where is Nate? <laughs> Nate needs to hurry the F up is and he, get back is he on. he just gone from our call? He, yeah, it says there's only, it's just me and you right now. Oh, is he, like, messaging us? Or, I don't know. He's missing it. Oh, well. 
Does Durant hit this pull-up? Yes, he does. That's how it got up five. Timeout. All right. Timeout. Uh, the coaching advantage. Well, well, first, that's interesting that you think Corey Joseph's the best player on either bench. That could be true. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think that could be true. Who do you think it is? You think it's Delhi? Or do you think, I think it's De- I think Delhi's a better defensive player than Corey Joseph, and he's a better okay. playmaker than Corey Joseph. He's not as good of a shot creator. Yeah. Um, I mean... It's hard to say. I, I think, but you could be right. But I, I would not give the, I would not give the bench edge. To yeah, the Raptors. I, I don't think I'd give the whole bench edge because after Corey Joseph, honestly, I don't really know. Terrence Ross, maybe. Yeah, he, I mean, he's like Richard I mean, Jefferson. I mean, they're they're both yeah three and D guys. Another comparison to uh, Terrence Ross, I think he's more like Corey Brewer. I know he's kind of a similar player to Ariza, mm-hmm. but that's who he reminds me more of, just like his... But Corey Brewer like, can't hit threes, right? Or is that... Uh, I think well, he kind of can. Remember on the can. podcast a few months ago, I did the... Who is yeah, it? Is I remember it, that. Is it Corey yeah. Brewer or is it Jeff Green? And like... We can't. I I could never figure out who's who, but one of them is really bad at shooting threes, and one of them is pretty good. Uh huh. I forget who, it, who, but it was it was Corey Brewer. I'm pretty sure that had the better three point percentage. Uh, okay. But he was worse in real plus minus. Uh, okay. So it kind of all just washes away. Anyways, uh, so back to the bench real quick. I do like Terrence Ross, but. I don't think Toronto has anyone that could really combat uh Fry. Yeah, there's no one that can combat Fry. Yeah. And you know, they're not going to I don't think they're going to play Scola at all to be honest. I think they're just going to roll with small ball and just try their best to, you know, combat us by playing Kojo and uh Lowry at the same time. Oh man, OKC did a really nice job forcing everyone off the three-point line on that defensive possession. So Andre Iguodala got a layup. Steve Kerr's flipping out. Is he saying that was a double dribble or something? Right? I, he's travel, I think. But they didn't call it. Nope. Timeout. So it wasn't a foul. It was actually a timeout. But he did cross half court, so they'll inbound it. Well, no, that's that's the college rule. They, anytime they call timeout, they get to inbound at half court, right? I can't remember. Actually, no. If you like, if you like, pass it in in the back court, and then, and then you, you call, call timeout. Time if you call a timeout, you have to take it. If from you call court. a timeout before you inbound it, you automatically inbound at half court, right? Yeah, you get the choice to. Yeah. yeah okay. So. Cool. All right. Well, let's get into coaching. Um, I don't know anything about Dwayne Casey. You, you know, I mean. Do you? <laughs> Can we yeah. educate our fans so, at all? So Dwayne Casey got the Raptors job because of his um, tenure in Dallas where he stopped LeBron in the finals. Really? So um, in 2000, after the 2011 finals when the Mavericks beat the uh, Heat, he interviewed for the Toronto job, and that was who... Masai, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Yeah, I don't either. But he, uh, that's who he wanted. 
to build a defensive first identity. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. I'm not sure if I would consider the Raptors a juggernaut defense. And if I recall, the approach that the Mavericks uh, used on LeBron was to sag off him and actually use smaller players against him. Yep. Um, because they did not have like a natural LeBron stopping wing. I remember, uh, you know, I think Jason Kidd defended Ed, him a bit. Berea defended him a yeah, little bit. Yeah, and that, and when Berea, oh, Westbrook goes in and gets his own rebound. Oh, what did they call? What did they call? Oh, you're ahead of me. What did they call? Lane violation? I'm actually out for a second. Oh, they called a lane violation on Westbrook, and it was, actually. He, he jumped before it hit the rim. Yep, definitely. Oh, man, this game. They're up four with 14 and a half seconds. I smell a Curry three coming. I just don't want this game going to OT. This is your chance, OKC. This is your chance. Foul if you have to. Put them on the line. No threes. For the love of God, no threes. I do not trust OKC with a four-point lead. No four. Oh, you're, you're cutting out. What? The suspense. Are you there? Don't leave me. I need to know 30 seconds in advance what happens. What's going on with this? Yeah, I'm here. Just a second. Just okay. a second. Just okay. a second. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm nervous. See, they're known to uh, blow choke stuff. down the stretch. Yeah, are you watching? Well, Curry or... just missed. Who did? Yeah, Curry just missed. Oh. He just missed. Who's got the ball? There's the shot. Nope. Westbrook. Westbrook's got it. Westbrook's fouled. All right. I'm feeling better. I'm feeling better. Are you having connection issues? You're kind of cutting out now. Yeah, I had to come upstairs. Quick. I'll come, be right back in. You need to come upstairs? Your upstairs is the worst connection. Away from my router. Oh, away from your router. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. All right. Here we go. Come on, Russell. Come on, Russell. There's one. Now it feels a little bit, it feels a little bit over, even for Golden State. If he hits this one, I think even I'm not going to be too worried about it. And it's good. Boy, I can't make enough out of that Steven Adams play, because the Thunder hadn't scored in, I don't know, four minutes or something. They were stuck at 101. Durant couldn't buy a bucket. Westbrook couldn't buy a bucket. Durant throws like a you know, stupid jump pass, I think, to Adams, who was in no position to receive it. Ball gets knocked away. Three of Golden State's pesky, you know, defenders with good hands are basically harassing him. He somehow did not lose the ball. And then he wasn't content to just, like, hold on to it. Oh, have I lost everyone? Is it still recording me? I think it is. Hey, sorry about that. Hey, all right. 
Well, we definitely do not need to go through the uh, ca- Believe Land calves. We'll save that maybe if uh, the season comes to an untimely end. Okay. But, uh, hey, the Thunder. And before I got I got cut off because when the call ended, my recorder ended. But man, what you that play by Stephen Adams? That was kind of the that was huge. Yeah, that rebound, and then he just kept on fighting. He yeah. just uh, and, went back to the basket. Like it was going to get poked away like three or four times, and then he just no hesitation drove right into the right into Draymond, got fouled, and then he calmly hit both foul shots. They freaking intentionally fouled him earlier in the game. <laughs> I know they fouled him. They did a lot of that, uh, like you know, when you box out, they aggressively box him out a couple times under two minutes, which I thought was really smart. But he made him pay. He was, I think, seven for ten from the free throw line today. That is incredible! Wow. And Dion Waiters' last play of the game, keeping Curry from getting off any semblance of a decent shot. I mean, Curry threw up an air ball. That's how good Waiters' D was on that last play. And then, of course, Durant had that block. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, good for them. You know. Durant didn't have a good game either. He was no. 10 for 30, yeah. and he missed a lot of mid-range shots down the stretch. Quarter, in the fourth quarter especially. Yeah. yeah. Adams was huge. Waiters played another nice game tonight. Man. Yeah. Well, let's uh, – we're kind of been all over the place, but that's good. You know I mean? We're just talking. Um, let's talk about tomorrow. Are you worried that all this rest will – you know, kind of affect the Cavs um, just in terms of having a sense of urgency or playing at the right speed or having their um, defense, you know, firing on all cylinders. And, you know, and and on the other end of that, Toronto now back-to-back seven-game series is just sort of, you know, in a fighting mode and and they could upset the Cavs tomorrow? Um, I mean, I'm going to be a little worried that they might be rusty to start the game, kind of like the last series. Right. Um, but I just think the talent gap is just so big, and there's really just not going to be an answer for LeBron, I feel like. Um, yeah. I think LeBron needed the rest. I think he kind of started to look a little – he kind of seemed to fade a little bit in terms of his – you know, jump. Yeah. yeah, jump in the step in game three and four. Well, I actually but, thought in game one, I didn't think he looked right. That's right. And uh, he did. He didn't, you know, he did get some extra work from the trainers on his, I think, his back. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's, you know, kind of lingering again. But I don't know. I think I think the rest definitely helped uh, the big three, especially because, you know, especially LeBron. Kevin Love seems to always have, you know, something – lingering whether it be you know the contact on his shoulder or rolling you know slightly rolling his ankle here and there yeah so i think uh i think the rest is going to help overall but they might start a little slow and to be honest i'm not really worried because toronto seems to have a lot of trouble scoring to begin with Mm -hmm. so i don't think it's going to be a huge deal what about you tom i mean I'm i'm a little nervous because the raptors had a lot of trouble when lowry and derozan looked like just ass and they looked pretty good in the last couple really especially Lowry looked pretty good in the last couple games. So they gave the Cavs trouble in the regular season. I don't I think the Cavs are the better team. I think they have, do have a talent disparity. And I think the Cavs have found something now that um is really a matchup nightmare for any team. 
and that is they can trot out lineups where they have a stretch big three-point shooter and off-the-ball um, spot-up wing three-point shooter like a Richard Jefferson or even like a Shumpert or a Delavadova. And then they have either Kyrie or J.R. Smith that can hit off the dribble or off the curl um, contested. So, like, they can have lineups out there, and they often do, where there's three guys on the court that are three different types of three-point shooter. And I just think, I don't know how you defend against Like, I don't know how you get your big out not letting Channing Fry get a shred of daylight because he doesn't need much. He has a quick release. Yeah, he has he, a super quick release. You know, Kevin Love loads up a little more. Channing Fry mm-hmm. is just like, I'm ready. It's like Papa Shop. Like, I'm ready to go. Um, you know, and then you got guys like, so if you're focusing on stopping dribble penetration and stopping the kinds of like two-man action, um, you know, the Kyrie behind the back passes to Love and Fry, that kind of, you know, the pick and pop kind of stuff, or even just the, um, like the down screens where all the action stays on the strong side of the ball. If if you're if you're terrified of that, and the Cavs do plenty of that stuff, that's when you leave the weak side unattended, and that's when Richard Jefferson spots up and starts knocking down threes. You know, so I I just think they put Fry in in game two, and he starts hitting all those threes. Richard Jefferson's been hitting threes the entire playoffs, and I think um, you know going into it, I thought. The Cavs need to figure out their defense. They need to get back to the grind squad of last year, the grit squad. They need to get more Deli, more Shumpert. Mozgov's got to figure something out. Tristan, you know, and it's like, no. They've been they've been playing offensive-minded guys that are stroking the ball. And I'm not sure how um I mean I don't I don't I don't think Toronto's a better defensive team than Atlanta. You know, I, I No, I don't think so at all. I think uh, the same shots, I'm not saying the Cavs are going to shoot that well, but I think if, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of open shots if they keep running those lineups. And if and if Toronto plays it differently than Atlanta and doesn't pack the paint and starts closing out super hard and staying home around the perimeter, that just means that the lane's going to open up for LeBron and Kyrie. Yeah, no. I mean, they Atlanta really did never change their stripes, in my opinion. There weren't a ton of driving lanes for those guys. Yeah, and, I think uh, they made the bet that, you know, the Cavs are going to get cold from three. And that's, I mean, that's the smarter bet, I think, you take the chance with. Three is not going in, then layups. And two of the best finishers, you know, in, in the NBA, and Kyrie and LeBron, you know, giving them wide open lanes, yeah. So, you know, I, I could see the Cavs um, losing, dropping game one tomorrow, actually. I would say if they are going to lose a home game, that would be the one. And I have a, I don't know if you noticed on the comments I have a bet going with Coles because Coles said that there is a ninety nine percent chance that the series is five games or less. And I can actually wow. see this one going six, and if it goes seven, I'll be terrified. But I could see it happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I you know I'm not saying it's a high probability, but it's I really do not think it's ninety nine percent. So I bet Coles. Um, that if it is five games or less, if it's a gentleman's sweep or a regular sweep, I will wear a T-shirt on one of the Insta caps that just says Coles was right or, or something. I'll, I'll let him pick what he wants me to write on it. And uh, if it goes six or seven, um, he has to put a comment in the next 99 posts that says, uh, Cavs the blog, what did I say he has to say? 
it was a it was a play on this on his uh, statistical um, predictions. Okay, he's got to say there is a one hundred percent chance Cavs the blog is the best Cavs coverage around, and he's in. He he confirmed that he's in on this bet. So wow, yeah. I mean, either way, you're both going to win, though, because <laughs> neither of you guys picked the Cavs to lose. No, yeah, no, I'm not taking the Cavs to lose, but um, I do have a bet that looks like it's in jeopardy now with a coworker, a lunch bet. Uh, but they lost today. I thought you had, like, they just needed to lose, like, one more game. They needed to lose more than four. I think this was their fourth <laughs> loss, right? Yeah. Or was this their third loss? No, they lost to Houston once, Portland once, and then OKC once. So yeah, they lost their third loss. So they can lose one more game. Um, but so you, I'm, you not think feeling, go- I'm not feeling good about that prediction anymore, to be honest. You think they're going to go sixteen? You thought they were going to go sixteen and four? Yeah, at the start of the playoffs, I actually thought they were going to go sixteen and three. Yeah, that was the bet I made, and the guy felt bad for me, and he goes, "Let's just make it four. He actually said. You know how they say there's no such thing as a free lunch? Well, that's a free lunch. So he uh, he actually improved my odds. But, man, I am just so impressed with what OKC did tonight, despite the fact that they didn't really shoot that well. Yeah, Durant was 10 for 30, man. Defensively, this team just does not quit. Yeah. All right, well... Um, we definitely recorded enough because if we start getting into all this other stuff I got on this list, this will be a four-hour podcast. But <laughs> uh, we both watched Believe Land, and um, I was—it I, I, was good. I mean, it was definitely worth watching if you're a Cleveland fan. There's some nice moments, um, some good interviews. I, I really enjoyed Mike Brown's um, few moments. I thought, you know, he was a really good sport and. It was fun. Um, Dan Gilberts were okay. They, they, they were a little bit awkward in that they only really wanted to ask him about, like, the letter and stuff like that. I think, you know, he he didn't want to just be like, yeah, that was the worst thing I ever did. So he kind of hedged and just, yeah, you know, it was kind of emotional. And, and he kind of changed the subject to the response that he got from that, which was less about LeBron and more just about what it means to be a Cleveland, Cleveland fan, fan. Yeah. yeah, and that's you know I don't know if you ever read the piece I wrote five years ago now after um, the LeBron lost to the Mavericks. Just it was kind of a I was on vacation. It was I was you know it felt good to pile on I guess at that time, and it was again it's it, it's about LeBron I guess, but it's really about the relationship between us and you know, Cleveland sports and what LeBron meant and how it was different. That's the thing. I never thought people outside of Cleveland could get that. Like they would say, well, I don't like the way he did it, but I mean, he's every right to leave. And it's like, yeah, but you, that means you don't really get it. You don't really get what, what he means to us. Um, you know, if you're just kind of playing it off, like "Ah, guys leave all the time. It happens, you know? Yeah. But, um, so I, for another podcast, another time, I think you could have done a whole Believe Land special on any of the three individual professional sports teams. And they have obviously focused mostly on the Browns. And they already did the Browns edition. Yeah, they pretty much already did the Browns edition. Yeah, I'm sitting here like, wow, they're really getting down in the weeds about 
you know, the reporting around Art Modell's finances, you know? Like, they're, like, really getting into this. And then they didn't even talk about Game 5, like, in Detroit. Like, that was the game where LeBron really arrived, in my opinion. Like, not just, yeah. like, he's a budding sensation, but, like, yeah, holy crap, Jordan. this guy is like Jordan, yeah. That was a Jordan-esque game where uh, he's, what, 24 out of 25 of the last points, right? Yeah, yeah. And just completely willed an inferior team to victory. Um, they didn't talk about game six. They just showed, you know, like the last moments and the holding up the uh, conference championship trophy with Bill Russell. And I was at that game, by the way, game six. That was incredible. Wow. Yeah. Um, it was funny in that game, in the first half, there was a shot clock malfunction. And it happened multiple times. Like, they couldn't, like, it happened. They had to pause the game for a while. They thought they fixed it and it happened again. So there were two lengthy delays in the near the end of the first half, I believe it was. And it was really kind of killing the Cavs' rhythm. They were having trouble breaking away. And, you know, being a Cleveland fan, of course, you always have this crippling anxiety that someone's about to pop your balloon. And so me and my buddy Dwayne are up there, and we're just, like, getting really upset. Like, this is crap. You know, we were just starting to get on a roll. Now the shot clock goes bad, and it's just like a big extended timeout. Killed the momentum. Pistons got back into it a little bit. Then it happened again. And we were sitting there just like, we're going to lose this game. Like, somehow, we, we shouldn't, but somehow this is going to just mess with everyone's rhythm. And we figured out they were going to add this game to, like, the lore, and they were going to call it the shot clock instead yeah. of you know, the shot but, of course, then Booby Gibson just went NBA Jam fire. Yeah, he did. And, and people don't remember, he's sticking all these threes. So then, because LeBron had a really off shooting night, night in Game 6, the Pistons started just closing out really hard on Gibson, and he started putting the ball on the deck and getting to the free throw line. So if you want to know what the heck happened to Booby Gibson, it was injuries because... That guy, his rookie season, was not just a spot-up three-point shooter. He was actually a pretty good defensive player, and he played good defense in that whole series. Um, and in that game six, he had 30 points, and I think he had 10 free throws. And John yeah. Hollinger did, back then, every, at the start of every season, he would do um, player profiles, and very oftentimes he would run them through a comparison algorithm. And he was like, good news, Cleveland fans. Booby Gibson ranked like 90% similar to Chauncey Billups. So it looked like we had the point guard of the future. And of yeah. course he had a couple of those high ankle sprains after that. And, was just and they never... gave him, and the Cavs gave him a lot of money. They did. And he was never the same. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so we'll, we'll talk about, you know, believe land Cavs edition another time, but, you were saying earlier something about your dad uh, went to college with Ernest Biner. Yeah, so fun fact, my dad went to East Carolina University, and when he was a freshman and he was trying to walk on on the football team there, the starting fullback was Ernest Biner. And um, this was back in the day where, like, pretty much if you played college football, you got drafted because there was, like, 20 rounds in the NFL draft. Yeah. But my dad still remembers when Ernest Biner got drafted in the 10th round. Wow. And they were, like, at the, like, the complex, like, the athletic complex at the time, which is, like, 
the equivalent of a normal like high school gym now because of all the money that gets pumped into athletics. Right, right. But he remembers that that day Ernest Biner was like, "Oh, I guess I guess I'm going to the Reds or the Redskins." I think where he won a Super Bowl. Actually, he was he's considered one of the best uh, players of the Redskins in the '80s. But um, yeah, just a little tidbit. And my dad was watching Believe Land with me and. There's a scene where Ernest Biner almost cries, like, yeah. straight up saying, like, he was sorry to the city of Cleveland. Yeah. And my dad said, you know, small world, you know. Yeah. And my dad's not a huge uh, Cleveland sports fan except the Cavs, and it's mostly because of me. He listens to the podcast every week and nice. reads everything we write just because of essentially me. That's awesome, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my he, uh, dad follows a little bit. He he enjoys listening, I think, more than reading. My dad actually made a Twitter account just to follow me and Cavs the Block. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, but long story short, you know, it's just uh, you know everyone in the national media talks crap about Cleveland, and I feel like this piece kind of, I don't know, I don't know if it made it better or worse for Clevelanders, but I think it just paints like a better picture of why everyone makes fun of Cleveland in some weird way. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Amino Hassan, but you know, he was the governor of heat Island. And I think, I think it's just ironic that everyone's trying to, you know, dog on what, Cleveland is doing right now in the playoffs. We just got to be remind, you know, you just got to be reminded that this is, uh, you know, again, I rem- say this almost every time I'm on a podcast, but we just got to be reminded that this is something we got to cherish. Yeah, whether we uh, win the chip or not, and I'm hoping we do bring the chip home this year. Yeah, I'm with you. I spent a lot of time this year being frustrated with the Cavs and their lack of, in- you know, consistency and, um. You know, that's that's on me, I guess. I mean, I think there were some things that were definitely irritating about this season and just their lack of identity. But, yeah, I mean, this is fun. I, I like having this – I like working on this blog with all you guys. I love having these podcasts. You know, this is my chance to kind of just enjoy something I've always enjoyed, share it with other people. And, uh, and, I mean, win or lose, I mean, this is a fun team. Um, you know, and I think uh, they've, got the, they've got a puncher's chance, I think, against against even the Warriors. Or, <laughs> who knows, maybe the Thunder. Yeah. Um, I mean, just just one thing to keep in perspective, would you rather be talking about the number one seed in the East, or would you rather be talking about the lottery tomorrow night? No, yeah, you know, that's true. Exactly. Well, you want to you you want to be playing instead of watching. Yeah, the and I mean, I've been on both sides of this, right? I mean, I was here. I didn't I didn't go ghost during the dark years, and obviously, you know, during the from about two thousand six to two thousand ten. I mean, it was like preseason games were much were must watch TV for me. I mean, it was it was a level of. It was kind of insane, really. I mean, now with a family and kids and a, and a real job, not being like a grad student, I mean, the Cavs are still obviously like must-see TV, but if i got to miss a quarter because I'm putting screaming kids to bed or whatever, it's like the world doesn't end, you know? Whereas back then, they'd lose a preseason game and it would, like, ruin my night. <laughs> it's like, bro, preseason has almost no <laughs> correlation to regular season. 
Yeah. But uh, I guess that's just getting older. But, um, you know, one of the interesting things they did that was in Believe Land was when Brian Windhurst talked about, he talked about the um, Gordon and George Gund-led, Wayne Embry-led Cavs. And I really mm-hmm. liked his quote. He said, the Cavs were one of the best-run organizations in pro sports with that front office and coaching with Lenny Wilkins. And um, they did things the right way. They had a really good team. And they just, in a very Cleveland fashion, ran into Michael Jordan. And yeah. that was very sobering. But it was – but I – it, it didn't make me sad. Like, you know, I was too young to know, was Wayne Embry a good GM? Like, you know, all I've heard is the Danny Ferry, um, Ron Harper move. But no, he was. He did, you know, in, in do, writing the piece about Mark Price and in doing Cavs rank and, um, you know, reading about Hot Rod Williams and how that team formed, that was a really well-run team. They were very unselfish. They drafted high-character guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not like I don't, I mean, they're the reason I'm doing this today. A team that never got over the hump, that, you know, is the lovable losers, that's the reason that it's midnight and I'm recording a five-hour or at least, you know, two-hour-now podcast about today's Cavs. And so, win or lose, this iteration of this Cavs team is doing the same thing for some, you know, six- or seven-year-old kid right now. And they're falling in love with... Um, probably with Richard Jefferson's Snapchat stories, and you know, you know, where I fell in love with AM radio, listening to Joe Tate and yeah, nineties, you nineties know, uh, synthesized, you know, music. But uh, this is a lot of fun. So I'm glad you're part of this, Elijah. You you were a really good addition we made. Yeah, I'm really glad to finally uh, break in. I uh, appreciate it, and hope we continue to build something great here. Yeah, I think we are. I mean, we're we're growing, and um, we got we got a big, larger staff now, more capabilities, and you know, from what we've seen, the the our our humble, humbly sized user community seems to be growing, but that doesn't really matter as much as I feel like we have a very um, enthusiastic and passionate kind of core that's stuck with us and grown with us, and um, they, I mean, they're really the reason. I mean, yeah, I'm happy for all the people that read and listen to us that I don't know, but it's really cool. Just the people that we get to t- kind of chat with on a daily basis about this. And that's really what makes it fun. So, so if any of you guys out there want one of Nate's leftover t-shirts from last year, you just let us know in the comment section and we'll find a way to get that to you. But uh, any parting thoughts, Elijah, before we, uh, we wrap it up and I, I get this thing ready to post. Well, uh, Tomorrow night we got game one, and don't forget we uh, we might still somehow win the lottery before the game. What if the NBA draft lottery? It's tomorrow night as well. So how could we win the lottery? Uh, it's a joke. Oh. We win it every other year. It seems like. Oh no! I thought you were going to tell me. Oh, well, actually, there was this like unprotected crazy pick <laughs> that if like these twenty things happen, it actually confers to us this year or something. No, unfortunately, not. But, it is. Uh, it is interesting how focused you know my attention was years ago on draft odds and who owned what pick and watching college basketball more and watching all the draft. Yeah. Extra- I would watch all those Draft Express scouting report videos on every player. And now I don't watch any of them. No, I, mean, I don't even <laughs> like who's the number one pick. I think it's supposed to be that guy from Oklahoma, right? 
Uh, no, it's not. It's supposed to be Ben. Oh, Ben Simmons, Simmons from LSU. That's right. Healed. Yeah. Actually, this he's like a junior or senior, right? He's yeah, he's older. old. Yeah. And actually, fun fact about Ben Simmons. Just quick aside, he signed with Clutch Sports. Ooh. So he's you know probably gonna be the first number one over pick for Clutch. But uh, I actually got to shake his hand last time I was at a Cavs game. So. Yeah, he was at the game. I remember. Yep. Did you tell us that? I can't. Um, it might have been, but he's he sat actually where the clutch congregation sits, which is when you're watching the game, it's like the set of six, six seats mm-hmm. by the opposing coaches, the opposing bench. So behind, that's where all the clutch them? is behind the no, opposing bench. No, no, it's like off to next the side. to it. Okay. Yeah, is that where um, John Wall was sitting? Yeah, that's where, or John Wall was sitting actually where. Um, on the other side by the Cavs bench. Do you have but, any insight into that relationship? Because I always thought that was sort of like a, not a rivalry per se, but that, you know, they were sort of loving or um, Kyrie and wall were sort of antagonistic towards each other. Yeah. I think the biggest slight was the, uh, the all-star game started yeah, last that, year. Well, that was this year that wall said that stuff. Correct. But the slight is because there's the Derrick Rose rule in contracts. Yeah. If you get voted as a starter twice before you sign your you first can, extension. You can get 30%, right? Correct, instead, instead, instead of, of 25. 25. Yeah. Yep. And so it so was I, Kyrie getting selected that kept Wall out? Correct, because Wall was voted in his second year, and then Kyrie won it his third year before uh, John Wall's extension kicked in. Mm-hmm. And obviously, John Wall didn't think Kyrie was better than him. Yeah, and it's debatable. I mean, um, boy, it's like it feels like it feels like with these point guards, we have these debates and we feel pretty sure about it, and then a couple months later, we're like, well, you know, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I last year, I definitely would have said uh, no. Kyrie is definitely yeah. better than Wall. You know, this year during the regular season, I would have said Wall had a better better season. Yeah. But, I think uh, that's what makes the NBA so intriguing. Like, yeah, you have five positions, five players on the court, but not all of them play the same way at all. I think there's, like, more disparity, like how John Wall plays versus how Chris Paul plays versus how Kyrie plays. Yeah. But they're all good. They're, like, all elite. It is interesting to me that if you look at John Wall, I mean, how much of a difference is there – athletically between John Wall and Russell Westbrook? Probably not that much. I mean, but they play probably... so differently. You know, Wall yeah. really picks his spots to kind of, you know, kick on the afterburners. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, I don't know if, how much Cavs fans know this because I don't know how much they watch the, uh, the thunder. The, no, the wizards. Oh, okay. Is wall is actually a very good, like pure point guard. <laughs> like he runs. He is. He gets a lot of assists. He gets a lot of assists and he runs a lot of stuff where he keeps his dribble, keeps his head up. He isn't looking to score. I mean, Westbrook, I think has really improved leaps and bounds as a point guard, but let's be honest, that guy just wants to try to dunk on everyone. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting. Like, I wonder, you know, what could a John wall look like in a more free flowing, offense you know where maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't have to do so much um, yeah i think the other thing about john wall and the same comparison with westbrook is john wall is a very good defender 
right? Mm-hmm. And Westbrook, I think, is probably a little bit more athletic than John Wallace, but he's not nearly the same caliber as defender. And I don't know, I don't know what the explanation is. You know, he Westbrook clearly has like all the tools, if not better tools, but seem to can't not be able to put that together on the defensive end. And it could be a mental thing. I mean, he does lose, you know, track of shooters sometimes and puts himself in bad spots, but. I think it just shows, like, you know, why we can't just be like, oh, why is Kyrie a bad defender, even though he's just as athletic as so-and-so. Or he's more athletic than Delhi, but he's the worst defender, you know? Yeah. No, that's true. There's a there's a lot of different styles of play um, among, I feel like, yeah, point guards and uh, centers are the two positions right now where they're the, probably the two most important positions. Um, or I don't know, maybe maybe wing still is the most important, but I feel like point guards and centers you're getting a lot of diversity of style. Where in the past it was like, no, your center's seven feet tall, he hangs around the hoop, and he kind of you throw him in the post and he puts in jump hooks. And your point guard is like stays at the top of the key, you know, runs pick and rolls to get big men involved, you know, like John Stockton and everyone kind of played a little bit of a variety of that. I mean, you had exceptions, of course. You had Magic Johnson. Mm-hmm. You guys like Isaiah Thomas, it was more of a scoring guard. But in general, the point guard's role was to initiate the offense, bring the ball up the court, set up the rest of the other team. And now, I mean, yeah, you got just such a variety of style. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with where guys are comfortable shooting. You know, like yeah. big men, it's like, where are they comfortable shooting? That's where you're going to find them. Point guards, where are they comfortable shooting? That's where you're going to find them. Um and so, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of. Uh, it, it makes the game fun. I mean, and now you've got all these weird, like, mad scientist GMs putting together these freaky Frankenstein teams, like Houston and you know, Seventy Sixers and their staff. They just have all these statistical outliers in their categories, you know, in terms of shot spacing and free throw rate and whatever. And it's just kind of, it's kind of funny. Yeah. I am worried they're going to overreact and change the free throw rule because of the hack of stuff because there's so many people like evil genius and that just can't take it and just want to gouge their eyes out. And it's going to really change things. And guys like Drummond are suddenly going to be that much more valuable and Whiteside and all these other guys that can't shoot free throws. Yeah, but for the Cavs, that would make Tristan much more valuable too then, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I don't think I don't think the the... Um, Hakatiti is yeah that useful. Although he has struggled from the line this year, but anyway. I don't, I don't really like the. I don't think they should change the rule at all. I mean, it's I it's been a rule for a long, long time. They should just let it ride. Yeah, I mean, they, I would, I'd be okay with certain modifications, but anything that kind of just changes the balance and suddenly being a terrible free throw shooter doesn't affect you at all. That would just bother me because. It's just it's just part of the game. It's always it's been a part of the game for a long time. Being able to hit a set shot when no one's guarding you. It's a thing. I mean, you practice all over. I mean, kids all over the country just shoot free throws in their driveway. It's like a part of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what the analog would be in another sport, but I mean, they've talked about like for football, like getting rid of field uh, extra points. Like, no, that's part of the game. I mean, oh, yeah. then you got the games hinging on these hundred eighty pound kick. It's like okay, well. That's part of the game. I mean, I'm sorry you didn't invent it, but you didn't. <laughs> so yeah. you have to just live with the way it's played. But I guess I'm a purist. I don't know. 
Yeah, but then again, three point line is one thing that they did add that changed revolutionized the game too. So it did. Yeah, it did change yeah, things. Kind of. I'm actually if they're gonna make the rule change for the fouling, I would kinda of wanna see like uh, a rule change on like fouling out. Yeah, like, I think six fouls is too many. Guys almost never foul out in the NBA. And I yeah. think it would it could add a lot more intrigue if you had yeah, five I think- fouls. If you do five thousand, people won't intentionally foul as much, or you have or to you use more of your in, bench. Yeah, you bring in your bench to do it exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, well, this was fun, Elijah. Let's yeah. uh, let's hope the Cavs can shake off any rust they've accumulated and get it done tomorrow. Absolutely. All right. As always, go Cavs. Go Cavs. So. You probably thought those were the outtakes, but that was just us not really wrapping up a podcast really cleanly. These are the outtakes, which were recorded before um, we actually spliced in the podcast. Fuse to drain, and it'll say 5D on the air, on the LED. Yeah. Did you ever get that? No, did you look up what that code is? No, not yet, but... Well, that's the first just... step. <laughs> I assume it just meant it's going to drain in five days. <laughs> Dude, that's a hex code. Hang on. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up, too. I looked it up. I was That was a joke. Uh, suds detected. Is that what it means? Or I... Okay. Too much suds. Maybe Yahoo Answers isn't the best way to... Yeah, it's not a five, it's an S. It's an S, yeah. It's suds detected. <laughs> it's literally suds detected. Um you might have you ever checked your, your pump? That thing can get full of bobby yeah, pins and baby socks and you know whatever. Oh else. I know, yeah. I've uh I've replaced two or three of them already. Hey, people are using his thing for a live thread right now, watching the game. Oh, I figured. Did you? I want to see. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if you thought about putting one up, and I said, "Well, the did problem Coles with that is." Respond to my wager. Did you see my uh, fanboy? Oh, Coles is in. Yes. Did you see the fanboy dot diagram of a fanboy? Uh, I just passed it. Diagram of a fanboy. <laughs> Empty. <laughs> uh, covered in calluses and smelling of lotion. Weird. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That, that Insta fap was unintentional, by the way. Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> I, I can't it, figure it, out what you were talking about because I didn't really look back at first, and then after like the third comment, I looked back and oh, I tried spelling Insta cap and I spelled Insta fap. Yeah, but it's kind of funny because you know, inst- the whole. <laughs> No, I know. It's just it. It is funny. No, I mean we all do this because we like to hear ourselves talk. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> okay, well, do we have any other topics before we get started? So right now it's kind of thin. I have Richard Jefferson's Snapchats, EG's matchups. <laughs> I don't even know about that. Yeah, I don't either. He'll fill us in. Um, a Believe Land, like for the Cavs. And for that, the subtopics will be uh, Jim Jones' foot. Um, we could talk a little bit about um, Mark, 
Price uh, concussion from uh, what's that asshole's name on the Pistons? Oh, Rick, Rick Mahorn. Yeah. Um, talk about the Harper trade backfires. Jordan era um, injury bug or injury plague careers of Doherty and Price. Oh, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about the Sean Cap. What are you doing, man? I Move. wanted a positive one. You're going to put the hex on us. <laughs> Why are we doing another Believe Lind episode? Yeah. That's what we're, <laughs> yeah. It's um, Cavs Believeland. No, I mean... No, I mean, I think we should maybe a little bit about what the Cavs are doing on their off time. Like, that would be a yeah. fun game. Like The Carlos Boozer. Pick, let, let's, let's, uh, let's do that. Let's do, we'll pick a Cav, and then we all have to come up of, of, with a scenario of what they're doing in their off time for the week off. All right. Who do you guys want? I don't know. You, you, you just run it and... And just, we'll just do it off the cuff, like two sentences. Okay. All right. I like that. All right. Carlos Boozer. Um, what else we got here? We got. Uh, we got the roided up magic. Celtics big three in 08. That's one no one's talking about. Roided up magic. LeBron elbow. Um. Actually, before that, we're going to get into the Larry Hughes signing. That one hurt. Uh, yeah. All right. And then, of course, they set the uh, consecutive loss streak, right? They own the record for that? They tied it, I thought. Okay. Okay. Do you guys ever... Have you guys ever seen Dude Perfect before? No. Do you know what it is? No. Okay, we'll talk about that a little bit. Have you seen it, EG? <laughs> or, uh, Elijah? Sorry, EK? Wait, what? Have you ever, seen, have you ever seen Dude Perfect? <laughs> Pitch Perfect. No, I haven't. No, I haven't. Are you guys crazy? You haven't seen... They have, like, like a gajillions of YouTube followers. Oh, I can't believe you've never seen it. They're the guys that make, like, basketball trick shots. Oh, no, no. I, I've definitely seen that, yeah. I know so they're one that they, they posted. do the one where they threw it off the building. Yeah, so they did. So they did one that posted today that I watched, where they had a Guinness like world record judge on hand to, you know, watch them try to break all these records. And the one guy was trying to break a record for longest um, basketball shot blindfolded. It was almost a full court shot. He had a blindfold on. He made it on his first try. Like, everyone went crazy, and the judge was just like, I just can't believe it. That was actually the first try. And, of course, when they were all screaming, he thought it was, like, the typical joke that people play on blindfolded players, which is, you know, you scream like they made it when they didn't. Like, he literally made it on his first try. It was just ridiculous to watch. And I believe it. I mean, everyone, their reactions were really authentic. And, the I mean, the, the uh, Guinness judge was just like, I can't believe it. He made him the first try. Like, that's ridiculous. So, it was pretty amazing. Those guys are actually really athletic, like, what they can do. I'm, I'm pretty 
I feel like that if uh, those are the guys I'm most envious of. Like that is that would be my dream job. What could be better than <laughs> you make literally YouTube videos of trick shots and half of it is just like going crazy and doing swag dances? Okay, okay, yeah, this is de- that's that de- you'd save the rest for the podcast because I have thoughts, but I'm not ruining them now. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm recording, so I can clip this in. Somewhere. Oh, I'm just saying it totally reminds me of like. Uh, that South Park where everybody wants to get their internet monies, like the chocolate yes. rain guy yes. and the dancing yes. baby. And it's yeah. like, how much money is there making YouTube videos with trick shots? Well, they are they sponsored? That. How's all yes. that work? Yes, they're spo- They have all kinds of sponsors. They have enough money yeah. that they bought. They bought like a pimped out like office suite that they use to make <laughs> like crazy putt putt courses and stuff. No, they have sponsors in every single thing. Um, the main like they've been sponsored by Nerf. They've done like Nerf battles. They did a, uh, you know, I don't know if you've noticed Pringles now. They give you little like backboards that you put on top of your Pringles can, and they give you, and then <laughs> the idea is you like shoot ping pong balls in there. They did a whole like episode with that. Um, they do, dude. They've done videos with like Chris Paul. Like they, I can't believe you've never seen these guys. Like they, they I'm do, lame. They do, I'm lame, Tom. They do stuff with actual athletes. <laughs> uh, it, it, but anyway, it. You Actual athletes, not like fake athletes. No, like really not famous like, athletes, like Dale Earnhardt car racing. Like not like you know, oh, they like hung out with Delhi, which that'd be awesome. But like they hang out with. Speaking like, of athletes, hey, I have a question. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Yeah. has got to be like the most mediocrely talented person I that just no because of his I, name. I, I wouldn't know. Do you? Are you? Are and you like really? I don't into know NASCAR? anything about it, but I know he doesn't win very much. Wait, wait, so and, you're admitting you know nothing about it, but you're giving a really strong hot take on his... I am. It's NASCAR. Who cares? Well, I think we'll just move on. That's not. That's definitely out of our lane. No pun intended. Oh, oh. No, I just hate NASCAR. I, it, I, I love to hate NASCAR. I can't get into it, personally. Brad, Brad Doherty is frowning on all of us. Right yeah, yeah, he is. Oh, no, that's uh, NHRA, isn't it? Or, or he, He's a part owner on a NASCAR team, isn't he? I thought he was, he was a like NHRA. He was, like an, he was an announcer for like yeah, the NASCAR circuit time. for a while. Yeah, a long really? time. Well, a lot of those Cavs players were into racing, like uh, Hot Rod and Larry Nance. I know were into racing. Obviously, Doherty was into racing. Hmm, I didn't know that. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite bloggers. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.